I'm Cynthia James, and this network is about changing lives one woman at a time. So welcome to Women Awakening. I'm your host, Cynthia James. I get the honor of introducing you to women that inspire me. I think they're extraordinary because they take leaps of faith and they're change makers. And so they show you the portals of possibility that you can step into your dreams and and create. And so I am very excited in this moment that I get to um, tell you that you can subscribe. You can subscribe to Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, YouTube. And it's really wonderful because you get to be with these women every week. And so I'm very grateful that I get to be with these women. I want to introduce you to someone that I I just met. Um, We are both uh, She Writes Press authors, and I just loved communicating with her on email. So let me just tell you a little bit about her. Kelly Holland is the founder and CEO of Own Your Destiny, where she provides financial coaching and empowerment programs for women. She's also the author of the forthcoming book, You Are Worthy, Change Your Money Mindset, Build Your Wealth, and Fund Your Future. I think we all need this book, right? So previously, Kelly spent two decades as an award-winning business and personal finance journalist with the New York Times, Business Week, and CNBC. One of her cover stories helped Business Week win a national magazine award. Kelly holds a graduate business degree from the Yale School of Management, and she is a chartered financial analyst. She lives in northern New Jersey with her husband and an ever-changing number of adult children. So welcome. So happy that you're here. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm thrilled to be here. It's such a treat. So I just want to start with with how you grew up. I mean, um, I'm sure you didn't just come on the planet and go, well, I will be a financial manager and tell people how to be successful. That's probably not how it started. It wasn't exactly. Um, I grew up in uh, suburban Buffalo, mostly. Um, my parents met in graduate school, so that tells you something. I'm the child of nerds. Um, but I will, I'll tell you the money version of my growing up because that feels relevant here. Um, my father was in law school when he had a complete change of heart, said he didn't want to do that, had this huge break with his father over this whole thing. He decided to become an English professor instead. So his father cut him off financially and that schism never healed. Um, but he met my mom, they had this beautiful marriage and, you know, we lived the academic, you know, the life of an academic. So it wasn't fancy. It was middle-class, but you know, lots of books and things like that. But throughout my childhood, there was this message that money wasn't the point money causes arguments and division. And if you pay too much attention to money, it can hurt you. And so that's what I grew up with. And lo and behold, I learned that if you don't pay enough attention to money on the flip side of the coin, that can hurt you too. So I learned that one the hard way, but I came out the other side. I totally get that, you know, but I grew up, you know, where scarcity was the, the, was the norm, you know, money's the root of all evil and rob Peter to pay Paul and all those kinds of things. And so, so the journey for me was like learning to have a relationship with money that was healthy. So I love people like you who are saying, here's some tips. <laughs> this is how you move from here to here. So I want to know, how did you get from there 
to becoming this journalist, to becoming this awesome author empowering women? Okay, so it's it's a bit of a uh, windy journey, but I'll I'll try and go through it quickly. Um, so I always loved to read, and I like to write, and I like to figure you know research things and figure out what was going on. Uh, so a little bit sort of after I was finished with college, I realized um, that I wanted to do policy. I was always very politically interested, and you know interested in women's issues, and in particular, and. Um, and so I decided what I wanted to do was policy. I got a job with the New York State Senate, um, working for the Finance Committee there, and I was um, my job was to oversee the legislation that came through from certain, you know, related to certain agencies. And so I would look at this, you know, these proposals and analyze them, research what they might do, and then explain all that to our members so they could decide how to vote. So I was researching, putting together the information, and giving it to people so they could make a choice. Okay. Fast forward to business school. I thought I'd learn how to run a foundation and be a leader. Uh, and I did learn how to be a leader, but I also along the way fell in love with investment management. And I just loved how it all fit together and the math behind it and the logic. And uh, so I decided I could use my policy focus to go into what was then called socially responsible investing. Now it's ESG, but it's investing with social screens so that you do or don't invest in things depending on your you know, philosophy about the world. Um, so, uh, but I thought I had to go to Wall Street first to learn how to do all this. So I did, and I became a securities analyst and I would research companies, write reports and communicate to our sales force so they could figure out what to tell their clients. You see the pattern? Yeah, okay. you're a journalist. I just didn't know it yet. So then, <laughs> but, but I was miserable on Wall Street. It was just not my value set. And so I, um, I finally, a light bulb went off and I realized, oh, this is what journalists do. And so I, but I have this financial background now. So I thought my way in would be through like what are called trade publications. So the publications focused on people in a particular line of business. So that's what I did. I got a job at a little tiny circulation 800, a little newsletter called Bond Week. And then I moved up to Bank Letter. And then I moved up to American Banker. Um, but then I got my big break and I got to Business Week and I was the money and banking editor and then an associate editor for a number of years and then onto the Times and CNBC. It's it's a great world. Um, high stress, high pressure, high stakes. But it really, I believe it's the bedrock of our democracy to have a free and fair press. And I'm proud to have played a little tiny part in that. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And um um, they're in my blessings every single day, not just journalism here, but around the world. Around the world, exactly. The journalists are, 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 are struggling. Uh, so I want to know, I want to talk about women and money. Yes. Because uh, I have a, a, an academy, uh, it's called the Academy of Women Emerging, and it's women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And they are, um, they come in for a year and we help them build their businesses and one of the places they get stuck is around money. Oh, yeah. Their relationship to money, looking at the, their income statements, you know, really, really creating budgets. I mean, there's resistance there. So so have you found that? And, and, and what do you do to support women in moving beyond those places? Well, I have found that. And in fact, that's the reason I have my business and the reason I wrote my book. 
because um, what I, just to backtrack a tiny bit back when I was a journalist at CNBC, I was writing about personal finance. And what I realized was, you know, yes, we all know women face the pay gap and spend more time out of the workforce and have a longer lifespan and all these structural things. But what I hadn't really focused on was the fact that women are stuck with all that, despite all the advice giving and everything. And all the people out there like me saying, save early, retire later, do this, do that. Nothing was really changing. The pay gap was stuck. Women were still shouldering the main burdens at home and so on. And I realized, okay, something else is keeping women. It's not the, the information is present. So what's going on? And I realized there was an emotional barrier between women and taking charge of money that just many, many of us just don't feel confident when it comes to money or believe that we are capable. So that's when I went and got my coach training to start helping women over the emotional hurdle with money so that then they would be in a receptive state and ready to learn what in fact is simpler than all the jargon and mumbo jumbo makes it sound like. So that's, yeah, that's how I came to my practice, but absolutely. I see it in my coaching all the time. I mean, I will tell you about a serial entrepreneur I coached, you know, she'd had a successful business before, and then she was launching a second one. She came to me because she wanted to do it right. And she would sit on my couch. This was her body language. I mean, she was like a tangled up knot. And as we talked and we helped her uncover her strengths and let, you know, she had to overcome some thoughts that she had about what happened with her first business and stuff she was blaming herself for that was not her fault. Um, and just to see the strengths that she did summon there and was now bringing to her new business to carry forward. She, you could see it in the way she was sitting and you could see it in the way she talked about her business. And once she started believing in herself, she was a sponge and she just, she's off to the races. She's hired staff. She's thrived, she made it thriving through the pandemic. It's just, it's lovely to see. So yes, long way of saying, absolutely. Women have an emotional, many women have emotional um, hurdles to overcome with respect to money. Well, and that's why one of the things I loved about your book was that the first thing in the subtitle was change your money mindset. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and so it's so emotional. Yes. And, And we can be in such places of shame around our relationship to money. I remember when I had my first coach, I mean, and she said, okay, I need you to look at your finances. I mean, I almost had a meltdown, oh, you know, I mean, because, because it wasn't that I wasn't doing okay, but there was something about if I really looked at it, I was going to really see how terrible I was. And then- That's exactly it. You think these numbers describe your self-worth? No, they're numbers. They are, to be clear, data. And yes. when you look- when you look, what you are seeing is your starting point on your journey to greater financial wellness. That's yeah. it. You're just yeah. gathering the data. It has well, no reflection on you as a person. Okay. I just, ladies, ladies, I hope you just heard what she said. It's just data. It it's is just, just data. information. But now let, let's talk about, well, then how does gathering the data help you begin to build your wealth? Okay. So this is a process that I take readers through in my book and you are worthy. And so the, the way the book is, is designed is it has, it has three parts. The first part is believe, and that's the money mindset part where you start to believe in your own capabilities and you learn how, and you learn how to get rid of that shame and 
panic and self-blame and, you know, recrimination. And you put all that aside and you say, you know what, I actually am worthy and I have life goals and I want to achieve those life goals. So then the next part is learn. And so that's where the looking comes in. That's the first thing is you look and see what do you have? Where is it? And what's it doing for you month to month? So that's your first thing is to look just the snapshot of where you are now. And then month by month, what's happening with your money, what's coming in, what's going out and to what. And so that's the first piece. Once you know that knowledge is your tool to make it all happen, because then you can set your intentions. In fact, I like to call a budget, a statement of intent, because that's really, it's your statement of what you want your money to do, you know, how you want to be using your money in line with your values and goals. And so you set that up and that, and then that's the next piece. And then the piece after that is what about your long-term, right? Once you have used a budget to get yourself set up with some financial security, some emergency savings, some free cash flow, then you can start thinking about investing for the future and building your wealth and building your future security. And then I take you through how to do that. So, but the looking is absolutely step one. Okay. Believe in yourself, trust that you are worthy. And then all you're going to do when you look is gather data so you can start your journey. That's where it comes in. I love that. Can, can you hold up the book for us so we can see of it? Of course I can. It's you are worthy. Yes. I can, ladies, I want you to just take that in. You are worthy. And what she's talking about are simple steps for you to just open up the possibilities of your abundant flow. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. This is, this is, is so wonderful. And so did you have to go through anything personally to find your own way to navigate this part? The book? No, your money, your money, your wealth, your money. Oh, well, as it happens, yes, I have my own journey of, you know, I told you that I came out and I wasn't, I came out of college and I wasn't paying enough attention to my finances. And I thought, let's, let's not go there. That's the place of strife and bad feelings. Well, lo and behold, I rented an apartment I couldn't afford. I got a car that cost too much. And, um, and before you knew it, I was living hand to mouth. Right. And, and, you know, I had what for back in those olden days was an okay starting salary, but boy, was I plowing through that. And one day it was a Friday. I remember there was sort of a hill that I would go down in my car on the way to my office. And I was at the top of the hill and I realized that I needed my car in neutral right then because I was almost out of gas and I couldn't afford to fill the tank in my car until I got paid that afternoon. What kind of a metaphor is that? I was out of gas, right? And you would think that that would have been my light bulb moment. I mean, I did become dimly aware that this wasn't working so well, but that was not what made me change my stripes, nor was my going to business school, nor was my becoming a chartered financial analyst. I could do the work. I could do the analysis. I could make the spreadsheets, all that. But when it came to my own stuff, I was afraid to invest. I thought it was funny, sort of, that I paid bills every other month. I didn't have a budget, none of this stuff. I met my husband who had no financial background and he said, oh no, I'm taking, I'm going to do the bills. This is not good. Well, ultimately, what did change for me was that I, we, you know, we got married and 
and we just wanted to start a family. And I realized that if I was going to raise kids the way I wanted to, you know, and be able to send them to good public schools and feed them well and travel that I was going to need my finances in order. And that's when the light bulb went off that I could use my money to achieve my goals that I wasn't after wealth. I was after healthy, you know, well-educated, intelligent children. And for that, I would make a change. So once you get to that heartfelt goal and you believe in yourself, that's when you can do it. That's when you can start soaking up the information and making the plan and start your journey. So yes, I had to go on this journey myself and um, I'm not so good with the metaphors. I guess out of gas wasn't enough for me, but look, I got there and you can too. You can do this. It's simpler than you think and you are worthy of it. You deserve it. What I love about this conversation is that, you know, I consistently tell the women that, you know, you look at somebody who's successful and it's not like they just dropped into it. They've been on their own journeys. And a lot of times we, we teach what we needed to learn. I mean, that, that, that's what happens. And so I, you know, you are an author yes, and, you know, that's, that's, that journey is not for the faint of heart because you are writing, you are getting into the publishing world, you're getting into getting out there and the marketing and stuff. And so, so I know there's some people out here who want to be authors. What do you want to tell them? Oh, gee. Well, uh, what do I want to tell them? Cynthia, you could answer this too, because you've already written the book. Um, I would say that uh, be prepared for a lot of hard work. Um, Don't rush. If you're writing nonfiction, your outline is your friend. Don't skip that part. Plan it out. Create your scaffolding. Just like you were, imagine that you're building a house. Frame it out. Build that frame. And then you can start filling it in. I can't speak to fiction writing. That is not, that is way beyond me. But if you're writing a nonfiction book, your structure, your plan, your pre-plan will guide you. So don't rush, pace yourself. For me, what worked was writing early in the morning, every morning, but everybody has their way. There is no one right way. The right way for you is the one that helps you finish the book. So you experiment till you find what works, be gentle with yourself. And understand that books take all kinds of forms and appear in the world in all different ways. So you can be an author. Yeah. And and I want to just remind you, ladies, about collaboration. You know, um, Kelly and I met because she's a collaborator. She wanted to connect with other people who were writers and doing, you know, and, and that's an important thing because I think especially when women come together and we nurture and support each other, we become more powerful and we, we become more visible. And so I just, uh, I just want to tell you everything that she just said is really important. And, you know, it, it takes, it takes a little bit of time to launch a book and publicize it and get your name out there, but don't give up because if there's a message that wants to come through you, you know, there's a reason. There's a reason. So how do people find you, Kelly? How do they get to you? Well, you can look at my website, kellyholland.com. Kelly has an extra E. That's the bonus point. Um, That's the easiest way. 
Okay. And, and your books on um, Amazon. Yes. My book is available anywhere books are sold. Yes. Love it. Love it. And you can download the first chapter on my website right now. Awesome. So uh, I ask the, um, the people on my show, the same last question. So here it is. The name of the show is women awakening. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the most important thing about women awakening on the planet today? Cynthia awakening is such a great word. It really, you know, I would say, believe this. We are so amazing. Mm -hmm. We are so amazing. And when we awaken to that and we use our resources, including our money, but not only our money in service of our purpose, we can be a force for all kinds of good in the world. We are worthy. We are capable. We can awaken and we can shine all of us. Uh, It's beautiful. Thank you so much. And Kelly, thank you for being here. I'm excited about you. (laughs) Thank you. I really am excited to see your book in the world and changing lives. I really, it's really quite wonderful. And um, ladies, you know, I say the same thing to you at the end of every show. You're a masterpiece in the making. You're dynamic. You're mighty. You're powerful. You're unrepeatable. So whatever that is, it wants to come through you. There's a reason that dream, that desire wants to come through you because you are the one to deliver it the way you deliver it. And so I'm excited that you look at people like Kelly and you use them as examples for taking one step at a time to move in the direction of your dreams. I'm grateful to be with you. I love you. And I will see you next week. 